episode of the Hello Friend Podcast. I'm Margaret and I'm here with Henry. We're here to talk about episode six of season four of Mr. Robot called Not Acceptable. 406 Not Acceptable. Hi Henry, how are you? Good Margaret. I'm excited to talk about this week's episode with you. It's an eventful one. What did you think of it overall? I was happy to see a lot of the things develop in this episode because I think it, it, you know, it means that there'll be more episodes to come where a lot of the story unfolds. Like if there was one scenario where they could have had all of this stuff happening two to three episodes from now and filled the space in between with a lot of exposition and backstory. But it was it was nice to kind of see this put in motion because I think I've been talking to you about this in prior episodes about how this was all going to somehow come to a head. This episode definitely felt like things were finally being set into motion after all that place setting and Tyrell dying and what have you and Philip Price lamenting his sick, sad life. And we started off with basically where we left off in certain ways last week with Vera and his captive, Krista, Miss Krista, and he started telling her a lovely, lovely Christmas story about a bully and a little bitch. What did you think of those overall interactions between Krista, Vera, and then, of course, Peanuts in the background? Vera reminded me a lot of the Gary Oldman character in True Romance. And so... I kind of viewed this whole scene and his character through the lens of, you know, uh, he looks a little bit like Eminem to me. So it's like uh, Eminem channeling Gary Oldman playing a role. (laughs) It's kind of how I looked at all of these scenes. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of, to me, a, a typical sort of psychopathic character that you see in some of these. Yeah, so he's an above-average psychopath, and he is also very good at storytelling. I definitely can see those references that you're making to Gary Oldman. And we see Vera tell a story to Krista about basically his childhood, where he was a bullied kid, and one day he got a, a baseball bat that was made of aluminum. And having grown up in this city myself, I remember those baseball bats very well. And I remember they weren't always used for baseball. They were definitely used for fighting. So it was a little bit resonant of things I remember seeing from my childhood. There was a character in the background named Peanuts. She's a singer and an actress. Her name is Young M.A. I should have mentioned that last week. And she posted on Twitter, not to go too off from the story, she thanked the show Mr. Robot for believing in her and teaching her so much about the industry. Vera is pretty interesting. He was dressed in all yellow, which is kind of an on-trend color. So he's a trendy psychopath. Yeah, he, he's, uh, he's sporty. <laughs> he, looks, he looks a little bit like 
those uh, characters in um, like Snatch and Lockstock uh, and Smoking Barrels, uh, Guy Ritchie. Um, he looks like one of those British British guys, like uh, Ali G, Sasha Cohen's character, Ali G. I totally can see that as well. And he was pretty scary, even though he was trying to sort of convey this this story about how you know Krista is the bat and he needs to break Elliot. And I, one of my favorite parts was when he was threatening Krista with a spoon. He held a spoon up to her neck. It was kind of funny. Uh, he's threatening her with cutlery, right? Yeah, yeah. And they were all just digging into the grapefruit and just being terribly threatening. The story that Vera is telling is pretty much carried throughout the entire episode. And after that first scene, we cut to an overhead shot, lots of beautiful overhead shots of the Mr. Robot title. This episode, like so many, was so beautifully shot and an amazing contrast from scene to scene depending on where we were and who we were dealing with. Did you think that, Krista, did you think from the beginning that she was going to give up the goods on Elliot? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, I Both in terms of the assessment of her character and then the role she plays in the story, I thought it was uh, inevitable that she would give up the, the details. But do it in such a way where we, the audience, don't find out until later. Yep, yep. And the actor who plays Vera, by the way, is Elliot Villar. I, I looked him up. He's been in quite a bit of stuff. I think he's doing really well with the character. And, and Krista, is, you know, she's always great. But then we cut to an interesting scene I found between Elliot and Darlene where they're kind of finalizing their plans. They know the big deus group meeting is that evening. It's still Christmas. It's the never-ending Christmas. And they talk about whether the proxy hack at Virtual Reality checked out. Darlene said yes to Elliot and that she's seeing all the unencrypted network traffic. Elliot knows where the deus group meeting is happening. And then Elliot says he's sorry for being such a butthead, which is so off character for Elliot. Yeah, Elliot, uh, well, I think it's important that she feel connected and close to him, uh, especially with how she might be tested coming up. So I thought it was it was a, a nice way to kind of tie them together. Yeah, I think so, too. And I thought it was interesting because we were starting to see different ways in which maybe Elliot is potentially integrating different personalities, maybe, or maybe he was just manipulating her to sort of stay in line. Maybe he's not even conscious about how much he manipulates people, especially his sister. But she's ready, Darlene is ready to continue with the plan. She heads out into her really uh, very personally decorated living room, which used to belong to Angela, right? And there's Dominique with a gun. So they're brought together, as you predicted, all this time. Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of things in this episode kind of come to a head. So Darlene uh, coming up together with Dominique, uh, Krista being put into jeopardy by Vera and drawing Elliot into this uh, you know, you can kind of see all these things coming together in this episode. One of my favorite scenes, of course, it was at the cafe where Leon reappears. I, I love the character Leon, and I love the way Joey Badass plays Leon. Like, 
he's just so good and and I know he's a real bad guy like he's killed people he's an independent contractor now so he's available to help Elliot or anyone but he's so charismatic I just I love Leon I was so glad to see him I saw this theory on Reddit that maybe he's one of Elliot's personalities, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it was it was interesting to think about because, you know, this personality of Elliot that can just kill people and get things done, right? And it would it would be an interesting twist if it turned out to be Leon. I could totally see that being the case because I was trying to wonder like who the other personality for Elliot was because of that violent streak and I was wondering if that indicated it was Terrell but it could just as easily indicate it's Leon I personally would love it if it's if it's Leon and we saw more of Joey badass throughout the rest of this final season I thought it was really funny how Leon calls Elliot Ellie (laughs) (laughs) sometimes there are just some people who always try to shorten people's names right haven't you run across these people in life who you know, my name is not that long, but they'll try to shorten my name. Or if you if you meet them, they'll try to shorten your name, like Marge or something. <laughs> Have you run into these people? Are you kidding me? My name is Margaret. I can't tell you how much I struggle against people trying to shorten my name ever my whole life. And that includes my family, who to this day refuse to call me by my full name and try to shorten my name. When I was in school, then the, when I had Catholic school, the nuns always tried to call me Maggie. And yes, and I have a cousin, Henry, and they call him Henny. <laughs> <laughs> Not fewer syllables, just less work with the tongue, I suppose. <laughs> oh, totally. I don't know if you noticed in the scene in the cafe in the background, there was a truck that had an image of the president as a turd, as a turd icon or emoji. Oh, that's great. I didn't see that. (laughs) I saw it because there is that exact image or it used to be, there used to be one in the mission in San Francisco. And so I was like, oh my gosh, there's that emoji, that turd emoji. Yeah. So Leon was telling Elliot he's freelance now. He got what he needed from from Leon, Elliot received it. I guess it turned out to be drugs, right? He needed some oxy. Maybe I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't make that connection. Yeah, I didn't figure it out either till just now when I realized he must have needed it for that Christmas in the cup that he gave to Olivia. Because we're at the cafe, Mister Robot suddenly appears which is great because I always love when Christian Slater is in the scene. Christian Slater, a.k.a. Mr. Robot, is trying to say to Elliot, you're crossing a line. And Elliot said, I don't have time. And that's what so many characters said throughout this entire episode. We don't have time. Made me think the long shadow of White Rose is just affecting people so much in terms of limited time. Don't really know what they're going to do, what Elliot's going to do. Mr. Robot says, you know, can we bring those boundaries back once we step over the line. Did you have any sense where Elliot was heading with those two large peppermint mochas? No, I, I was surprised uh, when he opened the door and it was her. Um, but then, you know, I started to think about it and it's like, okay, uh, I, I can see where this is going. It's pretty devious too, isn't it? Well, I think it, it's 
we see the depths to which Elliot's willing to go and push his moral boundaries in order to accomplish his goal. And so I think that's going to become something that's emphasized more and more in the episodes to come. I think so too. And Olivia really saw right through him later on in the episode. But before we get to that, we cut to creepy Janice still working on her taxidermy with this voiceover radio character. I guess he's a podcaster. Some other folks recognized him. But he's definitely meant to mimic the Art Bell talk show host, George Norrie, Coast to Coast AM. I don't know if you've ever heard those radio hosts before. The guy's talking about Jan Mathis, which is some kind of Anabaptist religious figure. I kind of quickly looked that up. Janice is especially menacing where she says to Dominique, I, I hear you have Darlene. Keep her close. We don't really care about her. We just care about her brother. I'll get back to you. Darlene and Dominique are reunited, but it's not necessarily what Dominique was thinking, necessarily. <laughs> yeah, she, not the the romantic reunion she hoped for, uh, maybe. Yeah, not just yet, at least. One scene I love where Elliot does go to Olivia's apartment and... He knocks on the door with the Christmas in a cup to offer her some peppermint mocha. And I like two things about this scene before we get to the part where she discovers that she's been drugged. And one thing is how much the actress who plays Livia really changes emotions pretty believably to like from being enamored to just disgust. And then when Elliot is entering the apartment, and he shuts the door and he kind of looks right at us in the camera, at the viewer. That's like one time where he's actually connecting with us. So he knows we're still there as the audience. Yeah, it's a good catch. Uh, I thought this whole scene was really, really beautifully done. What about it stood out to you? I think the emotional transition of how, you know, she was going along with this certain vision of reality. And then Elliot starts to break it down first with... Hey, the revelation of his true motives and then talking about what her employer really does and the terrible things that they've done. And it just kind of this stripping away uh, and revealing this really terrible reality underneath and, and how he is just doing it, you know, step by step. It's, it's, a, it's a really powerful scene. I thought so too. He also came across as a monster. At first, he comes across like he's righteous. It's about your clients and the Cyprus National Bank. They use their power and wealth to run the world, just like Philip Price did with that intro bit a few episodes ago, where Philip Price was doing a voiceover over these different newsreels about Tiananmen Square and civil war in Congo. He even references paramilitary massacre in El Salado, which was a real massacre that took place in 2000 in Colombia. He comes across righteous. I think he crosses the line, obviously, because he drugs her. Somebody who's been an addict and has so much on the line destroys her life, basically blames her for it. Like, it's your fault. I get it. You just did it for the money. You had to know better. You're not stupid. And how many of us do find ourselves complicit 
in terms of stuff like that. I mean, just look at Uber, for example, with all the money they take from Saudi Arabia and all the recent news that they've been making the CEO about defending, sounding like he was defending the Saudi government with the Khashoggi murder assassination. It just reminded me of a lot of stuff that's happening in the real world, how we compromise ourselves for money or comfort. Yeah, or just a price or convenience or the complete lack of alternatives. You think about like if you wanted to boycott Uber and Lyft, uh, how would you get around, right? And you know, a lot of things that people depend on or build their lives around actually have very little accountability or transparency built into them. Yeah, because I remember living in San Francisco, for example, and I know you remember this, so many times taxis wouldn't come to wherever you lived. If you weren't downtown, it would take hours to get a taxi. I remember so many times before Uber and Lyft getting stuck in the middle of nowhere in San Francisco. I mean, not in the middle of nowhere, but having to walk home for an hour at two or three o'clock in the morning because there was really no other choice. It's funny because Elliot's able to live outside of society. We never really figure out how Elliot survives financially, do we? No, I mean, I think when we learn more about his personas, it will become clear. But if he is a, a hacker and has done these sorts of things, I guess the assumption is he has Bitcoin or other means of supporting himself. Yeah, Elliot is flushed with Bitcoin, maybe. We do get to see White Rose in their Minister Zhang sort of persona with his pesky assistant. And I thought this scene was beautiful, just the way it contrasted with everything else. It was much more stark and everything was silhouetted. And the assistant once again is saying, we've got to get rid of Elliot minister. This is ridiculous. He was, he and his sister were close to where that uh, white van was found burned. He's too much. And Minister Zhang, White Rose, shuts that down and says, you are being so foolish. We kill him. Elliot's shipping hack dies with him. What did you think that means? What is the shipping hack? Yeah, this is like the first real sort of specific clue that we get about what exactly this is and what's going on and why Elliot is important. And this uh, shipping hack, yeah, it, it's interesting to kind of think about like what kind of hack would that be and what sort of hack would die with Elliot. Yeah, I really want to know what that is because as you know, uh, I, you know, for a while I had a lot of views of the San Francisco Bay, because I would often just look out. It's like TV, <laughs> just watching all the stuff that's going on in the water. All of the container ships that would just constantly traverse the bay, and I would start looking up the different shipping companies. There's one called Costco, which I think is based in China. There's another one, I think it's called Marisk. Anyway, there are all these online places you can go where the movements of the different ships are tracked in real time. So you can really look up at any moment what the different boats and ships are that are on the seas, whether it's a yacht, a cruise ship, or a container ship. And I was thinking, what could the hack possibly be that would have such worldwide consequences? Yeah, it, it's a mystery to me so far. Yeah. And... The fact that White Rose said, we can't kill Elliot because Elliot's on our side. Maybe that indicates 
another one of Eliot's altars in some way. It's, it's hinting to that. Maybe it's Philip Price. Who, who knows? Yes, I think so. And in the meantime, Dominique is really faced with a tough choice because once she tells evil Janice that she can just track Elliot's coordinates through Darlene's phone or at least get his location, not even knowing about the signal hack potentially, uh, that's when Janice says, oh, kill her. And for a while, um, I thought that Dominique was going to kill Darlene, did you ever think that was a possibility? No, just because I thought they worked really hard to get them together. And I uh, could, you know, only see them working together somehow to help Elliot. Uh, I, I thought it was too important for that to happen. I thought so too, potentially. The only thing is, lest we forget, Darlene is responsible for at least at least one death, and she really was pretty reckless last season, <laughs> which was probably not that long ago from when this scene was done. Oftentimes, you don't want to see a character who's done so many bad things get away with it and survive, but I, I think they've gone a long way to have Darlene rehabilitate it and redeem herself, and, you know, who knows, maybe they'll go out on a date after all this is over anyway. <laughs> yeah, to me, there are parallels with Dexter. And, you know, I with, with Dexter, I never thought that his sister would really die. And so in Mr. Robot also, I don't think that Darlene is at serious risk of dying. I thought it was more likely that Darlene killed Dominic in that scene where Dominic is telling Darlene to kill her. I thought there was a possibility that might happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure, sure. That, that probably makes sense for the storytelling as well. And, you know, then we sort of watch the scene unfold with Olivia and her just absolute disgust for Elliot. And Elliot, he goes in between caring or seeming like he cares. He says he's sorry to her, just like he said to Darlene, I'm sorry, she calls to get her boss to log on so Elliot can swipe that information. Uh, did you see it coming where Olivia would actually try to kill herself because she was so distraught? No, that, that surprised me. Um, I, I guess it surprised me more that she wasn't really dead and he somehow managed to save her and that now she's somewhat of an ally of sorts or more sympathetic like it this you know I, I feel like she's being established as a character that will eventually be used as leverage over him yeah it it, it surprised me too and, and you know we saw Elliot rush into the room when he heard the thud after he was waxing and Mr. Robot were waxing their philosophy you hear this thud he rushes in we see another overhead shot I thought it was pretty compelling how Darlene and Dominique are in a bathroom and Elliot and Olivia are in a bathroom and there's blood involved and it is surprising she survived. I mean, and it was also surprising she was able to bleed out so quickly. Maybe that's how that works. I don't know, but it's true. He, he seemed to know how to patch her up pretty well. I guess that's good. Yeah, the, the whole scene where she kind of dies, but then she doesn't and then they, they talk. It, I, 
I understand, you know, why it's being done from a writer's point of view, but as a viewer, it didn't really hold my attention. Yeah, yeah, I think I feel the same way. And then more of Krista and Vera going back and forth. Krista says, I just don't know what else to tell you. I didn't like him. He hacked me. And so that's two women in this episode who are saying, Elliot hacked me. And it's, it's spoken of as a, as a violation, which, of course, it is. Have, have you ever, I guess we've all been hacked, right, in one way or another in this data breach world, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've gotten enough notifications telling me that uh, I have free credit monitoring to assume that uh, my data is out there in some form or fashion. One thing I would say to our listeners is if you have a Facebook account, just and this isn't necessarily related to hacking um, and feels like a bit of a data breach, if you go and you check your, your so-called ad preferences, just look at what is attributed to you. And I used to regularly delete them because I tried to keep that clean. I didn't want to be served ads based on these bizarre preferences. But now there are so many. There, there have to be thousands in there. And Facebook, I think I might have mentioned this before, doesn't let you mass delete them, as you know. And, you know, you could spend literally a whole day cleaning them out and then a week later... It's all repopulated with all these bizarre, from in my case, these things that I've never even heard of, like a, a Toyota dealership in South Carolina. So I feel like someone has access to my data and, and uploaded my email address. Um, you know, it's spam, basically, but it feels pretty much like a violation, and especially because Facebook gives you no way to really clear that out or control for that. Yeah, and just imagine if these things had more significance to your life, like if your credit or your ability to travel is impacted by things that an algorithm determined were attributes of yourself. That's right. Didn't you send me an article recently where you said that facial recognition is being used for completing financial transactions? Is that right? Um. No, I sent you something about emotional intelligence um, or mm-hmm. emotional recognition by AI and mm-hmm. facial recognition. Um, but, you know, that's increasingly becoming a way for them to detect whether or not certain transactions should be completed if it seems like you're scared or under duress. But a lot of, I think the real risk is that a lot of these things are touted to be a lot more accurate than they are or a lot more reliable than they are. So we you know, buy the hype and we adopt something under its best case scenario when in actuality it won't perform like that in a sustained fashion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that reminds me too, I saw a post and you might have pointed me to this reporter, this journalist. She's a South China correspondent with FT Financial Times, this is going a little bit off topic, but around data and measurement and facial recognition. Her name is Su Lin Wang, and she attended a a security conference. I believe it took place in China, and one thing she said she became obsessed with were what what they call smart prison systems. They have all this new technology for monitoring prisoners, so it makes their output increase by 10 or 20% at a factory that's installed 
They have things like smart beds, which monitor prisoners' health. It, it was a tech expo um, that happens every two years in Shenzhen. I'm looking at it right now. And I guess Shenzhen is considered the world security capital, according to this journalist. But I was thinking, I mean, can you imagine that your bed, where you sleep, where you try to get rest, is collecting all of this data on you about your body temperature or who knows what else? Well, you know, we saw a lot of back and forth between Dominique and Darlene and Vera and Krista and Elliot being horrible to Olivia. I thought that when he was finally able to see the session logs for Olivia's boss logging into the Cyprus National Bank, I took screenshots of those, as you know. The password for Olivia's boss was Convergent37. I don't know if that means anything, but I, th- I love how they put those details in there. Yeah, I like that too, because, you know, people on Reddit can have fun trying to figure out the meaning or significance of those things. Totally. And this is, by the way, the longest Christmas of the, in the history of Christmases, because it's now, like, been, what, three episodes of it only being Christmas? Finally, Vera gets through to Krista and says, I'm trying to tell you what your role is. I'm trying to tell you that you're here to tell me how to break Elliot. And she finally says, the way to break Elliot is Mr. Robot. Did you get that? I mean, am I being dense? Is that really the way to break Elliot? I think somehow to like cause his construct of personas to somehow crash or implode and make him have a nervous breakdown. That's that. That to me was what I got out of it, was that you could basically trigger him to have a mental breakdown by pushing on certain buttons. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. I mean, I guess there aren't many other ways that you could possibly break Elliot. I thought it would be to get to Darlene. I thought that's what would break him myself. I would go after his sister but maybe he doesn't really care about that ultimately. But I think he would be pretty upset to see that his sister has a big gash on her head after Dominique basically throws her into a a tub and hits her with the gun. And there's this beautiful shot of Dominique saying, I'm out of time, I have to kill you. And then she decides, no, Darlene, you should kill me instead because she knows that Janice and the rest of the Dark Army thugs are on their way. And while they're struggling with that, in comes scary Janice with her henchmen. I really wasn't expecting that to happen and play out the way it did. Yeah, and I kept waiting for Darlene just to take, because she had the gun in her hand because Dominique was trying to get her to shoot her. I was just waiting for Darlene to just shoot the three of them. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you just shoot the three of them? Like, uh, the two guys are behind the woman. It's hard for them to get a gun out and point it at Darlene and... It would be very hard for them to react if you just shot all three of them very quickly. Um, So to me, I kept waiting for that to happen. And I was disappointed when she was just able to go and disarm Darlene by pulling the gun from her hand. It's like, come on, Darlene. I thought you were a badass. I agree. I mean, it's not like Darlene hasn't killed before and she was pretty ruthless about it then. And I guess they were frozen in fear and maybe they thought... Uh, I don't know what they were thinking, but I I thought it was pretty slick where, uh, you know, 
Janice was ready to kill Darlene, and then it comes out that Darlene wiped the phone. I mean, how did she do that, wipe the phone to take away Elliot's information and, and whereabouts? But that was pretty slick. I don't know how she could have done that so quickly. I, if it's an, it looks like it's an Android phone, and a lot of Android phones, when you when you root them, you can load a custom ROM, and the ROM, some of the ROMs like with the, with the bootloaders, you have a fairly easily accessible option to wipe your phone. Um, I remember that from some of the the bootloaders that I played around with on my Android. Yeah, that's probably the case. Uh, I mean, I have an Android phone, and I've never had to wipe the data under such duress, so I'm sure there's a way. And then we cut to from that scene back to Elliot and Mr. Robot exiting the 59th Street Lexington Avenue station. There's a sign that's in the background that says, The future has a silver lining. So again, with the signage... And that's when Elliot discovers Krista has been kidnapped. You can tell Krista doesn't sound right. And they're all going to meet at Washington Square Park. Once again, Washington Square Park takes a central role in this series. We've seen it before, figure pretty heavily, close to NYU. And then Elliot is kidnapped by Vera and Peanut and the other guy whose name I forget. And that's the whole episode. So pretty action-packed. Yeah, and I think it sets the stage for a Vera-heavy next episode. I'm imagining a lot of monologues between Vera and various aspects of Elliot's personality. Like maybe Vera's going to try to talk to the other ones. That's a good point. Do you feel like you're looking forward to a Vera-heavy episode? Uh, I'm looking forward to how the Vera character arc ends. Um, You know, it... And, and how close to the end of this, the show that takes place. Like In my ideal world, the Vera arc would end in the next couple episodes, and there would still be uh, several episodes without him uh, to kind of tie up the loose ends. Yeah, because he is a pretty bad dude, and for your run-of-the-mill thug, he's got aspirations. I mean, he says that he and Elliot, they have a special bond. He once referred to Elliot as the architect. I think he's been interestingly crafted. I appreciate, though, his role, but it would be good to see that wrap up so we can finally find out things like, what is this shipping hack? We know Vera's not going to break Elliot, so he's just another obstacle that Elliot has to get through to follow through with his plan. Um, although Vera can be pretty deadly, as we know. Overall, did you have any other thoughts that you wanted to point out? I guess to me, Vera is the least interesting villain that they could have chosen to focus on. Like, I think you have Irving, you have White Rose. Uh, you have taxidermy lady, like all of these to me are much more interesting villains uh, than Vera. And Vera seems to me less interesting because he seems like a lot of other villain types that you see in movies and in shows where they're kind of psychotic, but yet a little bit gifted um, and verbose. Uh, yeah. He is the most tropey of the villains that we've seen. I feel that way as well. I definitely feel it this season. I didn't feel it as much in season two when we saw him in the prison. Um, I mean, he was 
mean, he was tropey, but it was sort of, it made sense with that storyline. Um, so it will be interesting to see how much he manages to hang on with his his trendy leisure wear. Any thoughts or predictions for next week? I know you've been pretty spot on with your predictions. So 407 error code is proxy authentication required. Um, so you, I, I think that there's, you know, they mentioned a proxy early on in this episode um, in terms of virtual realty. That's where they set up the proxy. So is there going to be some issue there or is there is a proxy really alluding to, let's say, one of Elliot's personas or personalities and, you know, something going wrong there? Um, you know, it's just interesting kind of to think about. I definitely think the that there is something to the fact that the proxy is in reference to both this hack into Cyprus National Bank and also the hack into Elliot's fragmented personality. I still don't like to think that Mr. Robot is fictional because he's got such a presence. I like I like the idea that he's a quote-unquote real person and not just a part of Elliot, but that's neither here nor there. I think that's a good prediction. We'll finally get to see this mysterious Deus group. I'm waiting to see what outfit White Rose chose for Philip Price. Very, very much sitting on the edge of my seat for that. Do you have any what-would-you-rathers for this week? Uh, yeah. Well, as the weather turns colder, um, you know, things like keeping uh, chap lips at bay is kind of uh, top of mind. And, and I'm wondering, you know, are you a, a tube person or a, a stick person? <laughs> For chap lips, <laughs> that's so funny. I usually use like little tiny like tubs of things. So like these, I'm more of like a, I guess a dip. <laughs> so no tube or stick, kind kind of a dip. Or sometimes I'll use. Uh, I know this sounds weird, but sometimes I'll use natural stuff like um, mm. coconut oil or olive oil. <laughs> You know, it, it's a thing to think about. Like, I, I was talking to someone the other day and saying, like, what did human beings do before chapstick was invented? Like, I'm sure chap lips were a thing. So did just humanity suffer, like, thousands and thousands of years with chap lips until they were able to, like, you know, figure something out? Because it's a pretty terrible condition. I was traveling recently, and I had chap lips, and it was, like, a, a significant crisis that I had to solve. It's severe. I've noticed it really bad when I'm in in Las Vegas. The few times I, I'm there, because it's the desert, and, and you're just going about your business, like, la, la, la. And then all of a sudden, you realize, like, you're parched. Your lips are chapped. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's true. Vegas is in the middle of a desert. It's like, it's like Black Rock City of Burning Man, but it's permanent. It's a permanent installation or as permanent as we get. That's a good one. Okay, I have one for you. Are you ready? What would you rather, Apple TV or Disney Plus? <laughs> oh, good choice. So uh, recently I tr was traveling and I downloaded a bunch of the Apple TV shows to watch on the plane. And I, I watched the morning show. I watched C. Uh, those were the two that I watched primarily. And, you know, I kind of took a look at the other offerings. And right now, I think just on content alone, Disney Plus wins, hands down. Like, I think the kind of content that's on Disney Plus 
all the Disney films, a bunch of Star Wars stuff, exclusive Star Wars stuff. I think, you know, the stuff that's on Apple really just can't compete with, with it content-wise. What about you? Yeah, tech companies really have a hard time with consumer content. Like, they really often don't get it right. And a lot of those consumer plays, although Apple has done really well in the past with, you know, its music offerings, although it kind of lost its edge there, it still dominates the podcast market, which I don't know how lucrative that is. But Apple, like a Google, I think will have trouble with that. Disney Plus, I mean, that's their whole business is the entertainment business. They, As you know, they have their shows, they have their cruise line. It's a whole sort of mega, megalopolis, if that's even a word, of, of content. And I just saw that Apple signed a deal with the former CEO of HBO for content. So we're, we're several years away from seeing anything happen there. I guess if I had to choose, I would also go with Disney+. Plus. I think Apple is playing the long game with Apple uh, TV+. Plus. Like I think they've shown with Apple Music, for instance, like when Apple Music first launched, it was uh, definitely a, kind of a niche player compared to Spotify and Pandora. And I think over the years, Apple has steadily gained market share and uh, improved its product. And I think they're going to take the same sort of long view approach with Apple TV Plus. I think if you look at Apple's successes where they become more of a platform and they provide a conduit for other people to distribute content, like the App Store, they become very successful. So if they can make Apple TV Plus something that independent filmmakers and other people can use for distribution, maybe they become more interesting or compelling. Um, but I, I think uh, just based on content, that they're in a, in a tricky spot. I can totally see that as far as Apple goes, um, and they are playing the long game. And I think companies like Spotify on the music front, just so, uh, I mean, I think they're, uh, you know, they're vulnerable to an Apple or an Amazon for that matter. So, so that's a good perspective. Thanks for sharing. And, you know, thanks for podcasting with me again. I'm really looking forward to getting this episode out to hear what our listeners think. If you want to email us at the at hellofriendpod at protonmail.com, we would love to hear from you. Thanks for all your comments. Anything else we should talk about before we wrap up for this week? Just one thing. Uh, I think Apple and Disney are like the Ross and Rachel of the business and tech world. Like I think <laughs> it's just a matter of time before they get together and it's just a question of when it's going to happen um but yeah that's all that's right folks you heard it here first a <laughs> a prediction that i think i could totally see that happening and we'll see we'll hold you to that henry we'll we'll follow up on this prediction when it happens when it comes to fruition in the next probably three to five years <laughs> probably 20 i think it's more likely 20 but yeah Thanks, Margaret. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye, Henry.